Hello and welcome to the Playwrights Union Podcast. I'm Eric Rudnick. And I'm Bianca Sam. We acknowledge our presence on the ancestral and unceded territory of the Gabrielina Tongva people. The Playwrights Union is an inclusive collective of playwrights here in Los Angeles. We do all kinds of things with all kinds of people. We have readings, we have mixers, we have challenges. Some of those are write a play in a month, rewrite a play in a month, write a TV pilot in a month. I should say right now that many of our members, while also being playwrights, are also very much moving and shaking throughout the TV and film industry. So lots of things that people are doing. Really, really excited to have our guest today for the interview. And Bianca, let me ask you before we get started, what have you seen lately, live or virtually, that made you feel like this? Just wow. Every time I've seen live theater, I come out just beaming. I've seen so many different types. Some happy, some sad, some crazy, and they all leave me beaming. You get so wrapped up in the emotions of it, and then suddenly it's over, but your mind is still in the show. It makes me feel special that I got to witness it. That is a quote from a young, I don't even know if she's young, (laughs) but a person (laughs) who goes by Lucy Evans. And I saw this on Reddit and she was answering the question, what was the feeling after watching live theater? And I always am looking for quotes from people that tells me, um, a quote that tells me what is that feeling that we all know, but is so hard to describe. And I thought that was a really good job by Lucy. I thought that was a really good job by Lucy explaining what theater can feel like. Yeah. I mean, live things when you know it can only happen that once that even if they do it again, it'll never be the exact same way is really exciting. Um, and I am not actually out, um, and seeing things in public again, um, (laughs) with numbers being high, I've actually been indoors. So most of the things I have witnessed are things that either were recorded or are, um, the sort of theaters that are doing the simulcast live. Um, and I'm also reading a lot of different things. So, um, this week I've actually been in the process of reading plays um, and not seeing plays. So it's a little weird um, to answer that question that way. But I do still think that when reading them in my head, I'm still visualizing them. Um, but it helps me also get to sort of the playwright's intention, um, which I think is also really intriguing. So this week I do I did a couple of rituals that I normally do. Like a couple times a year I read um, backwards and forwards, which is... Um, Say that again a couple times what? A couple times a year, I read a book called Backwards and Forwards, um, which is a play writing book. um, And it's just good for story and structure. But then I will read some plays that I also like a lot or read a new play. Um, So this week I read that and then I've read um, a play... It's a play by a friend of mine who asked me to read your work, and I'm going to have to go back and figure out what the name of it was. While you're figuring out what that play is and uh, not getting in trouble with your friend. <laughs> what did you see? Bianca just gave you all a tip, a book to read, and it's called Backwards and Forwards? Yes, um, by Ball. Um, I think it's David Ball. Uh, David Ball. Yep, David Ball, Backwards and Forwards. I love it. It's one of my absolute favorites. Um, and the play that I read is called A Day Before Break. Um, 
And so it was um, interesting. It's a new play. It's in process. And so because I was going to give her notes on it, I wanted to be able to, you know, <laughs> it's been a while since I've given notes on a play, um, to also sort of refresh my own brain on, on some of my favorite tools on writing. So yeah, that was the play I read and um, the book I read. So I will say that the uh, complete title of this book that you recommended that now I want to read is Backwards and Forwards, A Technical Manual for Reading Plays. A manual for reading plays. Yeah. Let that sink into your head for a second. I love it. Uh, well, the shows that I saw over the past uh, couple of weeks, again, I am sitting in the back, mask on, leaving as soon as it's possible. <laughs> but I saw a friend of mine's play called Gaslight House in um, a theater called Whitefire here in Los Angeles in the Valley. A really fun production, a flat-out comedy with some great actors. Everybody's game. Everybody's up for it. That was fun. I saw Hades Town at the Amundsen and have to say one of the most delightful, touching, beautifully done shows I've seen in a while. The music is great and I love when they have some of the band members on stage. Just gives a certain kind of feel and a certain kind of immediacy to it. And Blues for an Alabama Sky also at CTG. That was at the Taper. And the thing that I liked about Blues for Alabama Sky and Hades Town both is that they don't give you uh, wholly happy endings. Their uh, endings are uh, minor key notes on the piano. They are not the feel-good, we uh, overcame everything kind of endings that sometimes you have to uh, you have to give in TV and film because it's a different medium. And I love a sad play. I do too. I love sad endings. I mean, I think it makes me more active. It makes me want to go do something like happy endings are great, but they kind of feel final. And in a play that has a big theme or a big question, that isn't necessarily happy or sad ending, but it is an ending that is an active ending. And I feel like I'm more likely to want to keep going in an active ending than a finite ending. So now I have to go and get myself together to go see both of these plays. <laughs> and I'll put on a mask and I'll go to the back because I really want to see live theater. They're not exactly sad endings, but they are endings that leave you to watch different characters have different experiences at the end mm. so that it's not just, hey, we're all happy or we're all dead. It's something in between, <laughs> um, you know. And it's just a kind of more nuanced, more uh, textured feeling when you uh, when the lights come up and you really feel like, oh, there's a there's more to think about because that <laughs> character made that choice and did that. And this character did this and just thought uh, both of those handled that really well. So are you ready for our interview? I am. Who are we interviewing today? Well, now. It's a uh, writer, educator, and all-around bon vivant, Jeanette D. Farr. So, please welcome to the Playwrights Union interview chair, Jeanette D. Farr. Hooray! Hello! Hi, Jeanette! 
It's great to be here. Thank you. How are you doing? For the purposes of this, great. <laughs> you can answer any way you want. Yeah. I love an honest answer. Yeah. I mean, we're all going through stuff, right? But today is a beautiful day, so I'm going to take that. Excellent. Well, uh, I've known Jeanette for a while. We've uh, been to a lot of the events that we've had and hopefully we'll have in the future together. And um, we're going to start um, and just tell us where you're uh, where you're checking in from. Where do you live? I'm up in the foothills of Los Angeles, a little town called Tahunga, which is on the Gabrielino uh, Tongva uh, ancestral lands. And um I like it because it's a little bit above the the hustle and bustle of the city. Nice. I'd love to be above that, even metaphorically. <laughs> it's also beautiful. Yeah, lots of trees. Uh, lots of trees. We always ask each other in the beginning something we're going to ask you. What theater, live or virtual, have you seen recently that had an effect on you? Uh, first of all, I'm just really happy to be not only making live theater again, but attending live theater again. And um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I took the family to go see Mary Zimmerman's Metamorphosis at a Noise Within Theater in Pasadena. And um, yeah, it was really stunning. I, I, I knew of the play, but to see it with all the gymnastics and the actors, um, portraying this and of course the spectacle of the big body of water on stage where everything emerges from was was really stunning and so bringing my 10 year old has been something I've been doing a lot lately with theater and where is it playing that's at a noise within theater in Pasadena California um Ooh. other notable ones uh Hamlet at Antius Theater Company it's running through June I believe uh again stunning production with folks that not only span classical theater, but um, are a group who really likes to reinvent uh, those classics and in and help out um, new works and playwrights. And so I really respect them. Their production was a stunner. Uh, and the Amundsen, of course, if I go to the Amundsen or Center Theater Group, seeing things, I saw Slave Play. I think that was my first uh, dipping a toe back in the water and um, the Lehman trilogy, which was another lesson I think for us playwrights to really go and understand kind of that true story, but with a very interesting way that the story is told. Hmm. Speaking of true stories and telling tales, um, what about you? How did you get started as a playwright? Wow, that's a great question, because I always think that I had it in me as as young as my daughter's age, as she's 10. Um, but I, I can recall things back as early as five years old and getting the the family together and the neighborhood kids together and putting on some original play or original showing. I was very much of a, of a TV kid growing up and a latchkey kid growing up. So finding ways to create something out of nothing is... Um, was a wonderful way to pass the time. And uh, so I've always been a creative kid and I think I still am a creative kid. <laughs> um, but where, where I truly got started, I would say is, uh, yeah, I did theater in high school um, and then undergraduate 
I started writing, but I, I learned every aspect of theater. And I said, I want to, in some ways, take control of that, of the words on the page and give something for actors, give something for designers, give something for a little bit of everything. That was, that was my, I guess, gift to give back. And then journeyed on to, to graduate school. I thought I was going to be an actor, <laughs> as most <laughs> of us do when we start out in theater, because that's so frontward facing. Um, but uh, as fate would have it, it was really the first time in my life that I had to make a choice rather than somebody making a choice about me and casting me. I got to make a choice about what school I wanted to go to when graduate school came along. So now let's get deeper. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody gets involved in this playwrights union uh, that is the purpose and the reason for the season and why we all know each other, <laughs> but not as well as we'd like. Uh, how did you get involved with the Playwrights Union? First of all, I knew about the Playwrights Union before I became a member of the Playwrights Union or met any of the people. Um, because I, when I came to L.A., and that was primarily for, for teaching, I landed here a teaching job in, in Glendale, at Glendale Community College. And um, so I was looking for that that playwright's place, <laughs> that community, that place where like-minded people were doing the same thing that I appreciated. And so I knew about them back when Dorothy Fortenberry and Jane Haley were names on the list. And I said, huh, I want to get to know, I want to get to know these people. And um, cut to a writer's retreat that Stephanie Allison Walker, also a member of Playwrights Union, organized, and they had an open spot to attend the retreat. I wasn't quite a member yet, but they welcomed me in, and it was a silent writing retreat, and I said, yes, I want more, and I love these writers and what they're put putting on the page and how they're working and learning from them, and so I just attended everything that they either had as a reading or as a performance in the Los Angeles area and uh, followed them, followed them. I would say my favorite story with that is one of my favorite theaters is in Washington, D.C., which is Woolly Mammoth Theater. And I got the opportunity to see Jen Haley, who I think that you've talked to throughout this podcast. <laughs> uh, I saw her play The Nether and... I just was all kinds of fangirling over that. She's just such a provocative writer. And come to find, after getting inducted into the group, a wonderful human. Love that. Jen's the best. She is. So we want to get deeper. That's right. <laughs> Talk about some of the things that um, this has meant to you. Like community, it sounds like, is a big thing because you... Uh, got into this because you wanted, uh, as you just said, to be, you know, I want to meet these writers. I want to hang out with these writers. And uh, that's important to uh, the work that any of us do. Getting in with uh, like-minded people and doing the thing and having that sense <laughs> that it's not just me doing this. Oh, no. Yeah. There's people there's out there's there. There's other people. There's another community. But also, what is the other communities you're a part of? Because you're also a teacher and you do other things. So I'd love to hear how you 
have enjoyed the Playwrights Union, but also where else do you create community? Sure. Um, no, absolutely. The the school in in Glendale College and creating young young young. There's all ages uh, of folks who create theater. All are welcome within that community, and uh, especially for folks who have never experienced theater, but uh, have found us in one form or another and have sort of wandered in and said, hey, I think I'll try this. So there's community in that. I have a great cohort there at Glendale College. Um, the Antius Playwrights Lab. Antius is is a great uh, friend to, I think, many of our playwrights here in Playwrights Union with their lab. We would bring in a certain amount of pages and they have just absolutely the best actors who will keep you honest as a writer because you get to hear your words sing off the page and learn from it um, for a while. And certainly, I mean, I'm taking a break with Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival, but I was on the executive board and the regional boards. And it's a great place for writers in college to kind of get accolades, but also their next step and network with people. So those have been, I would say, the main main folks. And then I come from a very small town called Turlock, California. There's a wonderful enclave of us who were at uh, undergrad together and had a great teacher and, and just a wonderful cohort of people. And we're still playing and doing theater and making theater and teaching theater to this day. And I think that's a real testament to the community. A strong community, very, very much. Um, so I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to do a deep cut uh, and maybe a difficult one. But that's kind of what this is about, too. Can you talk about any setbacks or um, hard lessons that you've had to learn as a playwright um, to inspire people who are Doing it in the trenches, <laughs> because sometimes, you know, it's nice to hear our successes, but I learned so much from learning, you know, the difficult parts of other people's lives. So can you tell us something that you learned from one of those spaces? Sure. Um, you know, I think we were, uh, we were all just slammed by the pandemic in, in ways that we didn't expect. To some, that may seem like an, an obvious, like, well, of course, we all did, Um but there were so many lessons in that of how to adapt and to keep going. And if you felt like you couldn't keep going, that that was also okay um, to really check in with the individual self and find out, you know, what's, what's working at the moment because it wasn't terra firma. <laughs> it just, it, it was, so, it was like walking on jello. That's what I say. It's like walking on jello, everything, every moment. And and even now this past week, you know, how, how do you keep on doing theater when tragedy strikes, whether that's a, a societal tragedy, a global tragedy, or your own personal tragedy. So yeah, going, going deep, there were, there have been some some personal setbacks to where it's just been, you know, how do how do I do this? And I think it's really important for the playwright, much like the actor, when they're ready and when they've processed some of it, to use the art to then share that with others. 
And that's one of the pieces that I'm working on now with Playwrights Union as a part of the first peak, um, a play called Hedda on Fire. And, um, you know, it deals with grief in a very profound way that even this week, I'm, I'm going back to the computer and letting that pour out and letting that intuitive writing take over because that's healing, not only for me, but perhaps for our community. I love that. I'm so excited. Um, I hope there's recordings or I can, you know, get myself to a theater. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And we're, we're asking for, for proof of vax, uh, but I'm sure I we will find a way to sneak that camera in and do so with, um, you know, with everything in place. So we're going to call that the thing that you're most excited about that you've got coming up and why, because that's a question that we <laughs> ask later. And now we're going to enter our speed round. You ready? Ooh. <laughs> All right. So here we go. What tips and or tricks do you have for writing that other people might not know about that would blow their minds and make their process just that much better. You know, this is a speed round. That's that's a pretty pretty hefty question, but I'm gonna do my best. So tips and tricks. Um, first one that comes to mind is to get moving. So playwriting being very lonely, get out and move, be within nature. So one of my favorite places is to go to is Descanso Gardens in La Cañada Flint Ridge. Descanso Gardens in La Cañada Flint Ridge. It's just a beautiful um forest like setting and so to get moving um that's where my brain goes storytelling love it uh next one what feeds your soul either literally food you're eating while you're writing or mm. other things that like inspire you to write? sure um <laughs> my daughter first and foremost so telling stories uh for her um that she will learn from and be proud of so my family Things that I absolutely like or feed me. Let's see. Caffeine. My iced tea. I love my iced tea. (laughs) So unsweetened. I like it bitter. Um, So that certainly feeds me. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I like being being around people and and listening to conversations, you know, when I'm out and about. Um, But sometimes the crowds overwhelm me. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, that, that feeds my writing to just listen and be an observer. And maybe that comes from my, my acting background as well, to constantly observe and to take yeah. it in. Favorite procrastination. Ah. This one's a good one. So cr- procrastinating. first of all, I like to <laughs> bake. But lately, I have such a guilty pleasure. And I'm going to introduce it to you all goodwill.com so there's what? actually yeah, there's actually an online uh, basically thrifting um through goodwill.com and i like me some vintage pyrex i think that's that's fun um but without buying it's really cool to look at the art just because they have an art category and you can scroll through and look at Paintings that span years, good paintings, bad paintings, weird paintings. Um, I send my <laughs> friend kind of the the weird, what I would call creepy paintings. And she says, you're going to give me nightmares. But yeah, that's that's my my latest. It's It's gone from Wordle to Goodwill.com. So enjoy. I love this. 
I'm scared and excited to try this goodwill.com uh, because the clown paintings at Several. the Goodwill always kind of creep me out. And if they're online, I, this is going to be endless. Yes. Scaring myself. Tons great. of clown paintings. <laughs> One of the things I know about you is you love a retreat. Do. Now, you've done one that I've been wanting to do but have not, but I know the woman that runs it. And tell us a little about the uh, Tofty Lake Center. It's funny. It's in it's in Minnesota. And my, my husband's grandparents came to California because it was so cold in Minnesota. So uh, I think Minnesota is one of the most beautiful places in the United States. Um and specifically Ely. So Tofty Lake Center takes place in Ely, Minnesota, uh, run by the fantastic Liz Engelman. And she's she at it's at Norm's Fish Camp, which I think is really important because you get all the history about Norm's Fish Camp. So you're surrounded by water, <laughs> but just about everybody in Minnesota is because it's known for its lakes. But she would bring um, playwrights and artists and people working on things and for a week at a time. And I've been twice, uh, one specifically to work on the most recent project, Head on Fire, and another project um, two years prior. And it's just beautiful. Talk about nature. You get to discover a place in the United States that is quite unique and kayak and swim if you want and maybe even see the occasional bear and Ooh. spend time with Liz, which is really wonderful because she's a top-notch dramaturg. Yes, I worked with Liz, um, had the good fortune. I was a finalist at the Hot City Theater's uh, Greenhouse Festival. This was years ago. And we had a week-long rehearsal process and then a staged reading. But in that rehearsal process, Liz Engelman was everyone's dramaturg. So there were three of us who were finalists. And I have to say, a good dramaturg, and for those who are listening and don't know what that is, it's sort of like an editor would be for books. That's what a dramaturg is for plays. They kind of help you transmit all of what's in your head into a more solid piece that's ready for an audience. It's a really kind of magical process. And I had never worked with a dramaturg who was as invested and as professional and as kick-ass as Liz. And it changed not just the play I was working on, but every play that came after that. I love that. They're kind of like doulas for plays. <laughs> They're amazing. I love them. True. True that. And also well said. Um, Jeanette, last thing before we go, what would you tell yourself as a writer who was just starting out right now? Great one. Well, the one thing that, um, you know, I share with my students is to be brave, but what does that mean? To write without fear, but also to consider the audience, always consider the audience, the people that you're sharing the experience with again going back to that loneliness of the playwright and why are we doing it if we're just doing it for ourselves then what is yeah there's a point to that maybe a therapeutic point to that but when we share it with others that's when we can do the most good with it um so on that note 
my catchphrase, I guess you would call it, is there's a play for every audience and an audience for every play. Mm. And that takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, and that students have their, their own individual voice, which nobody else has. And so take advantage of that. Put it out there and it will speak to someone. Oh, so inspiring. Thank you. Well Thank you. done. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Thanks, Jeanette D. Farr, for joining <laughs> us today on the Playwrights Union podcast. We appreciate it. Anybody you want to say hi to? Pleasure. Well, let's see. Liz Engelman, of course. Hi, Liz. I hope you're listening. And um, some friends at Prospect Theater Project who will be uh, exploring um a number of my plays and my bestie, Karen Heidelbach, who will be directing in upcoming in the fall. So. So Jeanette, tell us one more time, the piece that you have upcoming that you're excited about. It's called Hedda on fire. And the subtitle is a fable inspired by Ibsen and climate grief. And we're mm -hmm. having an upcoming first peak with the playwrights union, June 11th and 12th directed by Maria Mazor and has a stellar cast, which I'm not able to say quite yet, but you'll have to come and see it to see them. But I can tell you they're pretty notable folks within the Los Angeles area. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much to Jeanette D. Farr for sitting in the hot seat today. Really, really fun. It was so enjoyable to get her know her better. Yes. She is a member in good standing of the Playwrights Union. And here's the part of the show where we talk about all of the upcoming goodness from our members and alumni who are doing things all over the country. You might want to take note of the following projects that the Playwrights Union is cooking up. So... We are producing First Peak, which is a presentation of readings of original plays written by members of the Playwrights Union. You can go to playwrightsunion.com for full playwright bios and more. This is happening June 11th and June 12th. Saturday, June 11th at 5.30 p.m., it's Invisible by Lisa Kenner Grissom. At 7 p.m., it's Slowly Drowning by John Kern. And at 9 p.m., after the readings, there'll be a post-readings gathering. Sounds excellent. Then Sunday, June 12th at 3.30 p.m., the play Hedda on Fire by Jeanette D. Farr. And at 5.30 p.m., How Can You Tell by Steve Serpass. And you can look at our website for more details. These will take place at Atwater Playhouse, 3191 Casitas Avenue, number 100, Los Angeles, 90039. This is free with donations welcome. Other upcoming work by Playwright Unit members includes... Are you ready for this? I am ready because I, I just wrote all that down. <laughs> so I needed that little break to be like, okay, what's next? Who else has amazing things coming? Well, Inda Craig Galvan has the great Jerry Curl debate world premiering on September 15th, 2022 at East West Players here in Los Angeles. Her play, A Jumping Off Point, has a workshop slash reading at Bay Area Playwrights Festival running July through August in 2022 in San Francisco. Welcome to Matson is another play by Inda Craig Galvan and has a reading at the National New Play Network's National Showcase of New Plays. A lot of new in that. A lot of new. 
Our friend Gwydion Sullivan is one of the people that started that, and he's a great guy, and it's a great <laughs> way to discover new plays. That's happening June 10th in Indianapolis. And Indus play A Hit Dog Will Holler is now a four-episode fiction podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Also coming up, Jenny Webb's full-length play, Dead People's Dishes, which was part of the Playwrights Union Challenge in 2021, has a reading at Road Theater on Magnolia, Monday, June 6th at 7.30. You can visit roadtheater.org. She also has uh, a short one-woman play, Carry On, starring Angela Bullock. It's part of the Early Bird Special at ESTLA, June 18th and 19th. You can go to estlosangeles.org for more details. Jennifer Maisel's play, The Yellow Wallpaper 2.0 2020, was named a semifinalist for the O'Neill and was featured uh, in a reading that I saw, and it was fantastic. It's going to be at the Great Plains Theatre Conference from May 28th to June 5th. On June 17th, you can see a reading on Long Island as part of a benefit for Andromeda's Sisters by the Neo-Political Cowgirls. Tickets are available online. I'm from Long Island! <laughs> so are you going to go home and watch it? I might just! <laughs> I'm from the Bay Area, and I'm really thinking of going up to see the the conference. So we might both have to go home. We might. Here we come, people. Here's some more. Juan Villa will be remounting his autobiographical solo play, Empanada for a Dream, for the Hollywood Fringe at Howard Fine Studio in June. There's a premiere and four performances. It's 80 minutes, $20 a ticket. You can go to hollywoodfringe.org or empanadaforadream.weebly.com for more info. Lisa Kenner Grissom's original TV drama pilot, Fania in the Forest, was named a semifinalist for the ScreenCraft Screenwriting Fellowship. You can see the script on Coverfly. Her latest work, Invisible, which began as a Playwrights Union challenge, is in that first peak reading series. She's also a featured guest on the May 26th episode of the Positive Creativity Podcast. Marlo Wyatt has a one-night-only in-person stage reading of her play, Red Ribbons, it's part of the Voices of Victory series at the Victory Theater in Burbank. A performance is scheduled for Sunday, June 19th, in conjunction with the Juneteenth holiday. Jamie Branley has a play, M-Theory, a play told in 11 dimensions, which will be presented at Kitchen Dog Theater in Dallas. It's part of their New Works Festival on Saturday, June uh, Jamie Branley has a play, M-Theory, a play told in 11 dimensions, which will be presented at Kitchen Dog Theater in Dallas as part of their New Works Festival on Saturday, June 25th, 4 o'clock. Jamie is also part of the Center Theater Group's 2022 Writers' Workshop, and her new play, The Magician's Sister, is part of their New Works Festival slated for September at the Kirk Douglas Theater here in Los Angeles. Victor Lisniewski, you know Victor. I do. What a great guy. So great. Yes. He has a cyber espionage thriller, The Fifth Domain, and it has its world premiere at Contemporary American Theater Festival in West Virginia this July. Tickets are on sale now at catf.org. Playwrights Union alumni Stephanie Walker has a play called Friends with Guns. I've seen it a couple times. It's fantastic. It is part of a Fresno's You Are Here Theater's stage reading series and will be performed on August 13th at 2 p.m., you can go to You Are Here Theater. That's You Are, the letters, HereTheater.com for more information. If you want to find out about us and get in touch, we are on Twitter at PW Union, Instagram, Playwrights Union, Facebook, The Playwrights Union. We're also on Tumblr. How do I find you, Bianca? 
I am on both Instagram and Twitter at WriteSamsWrite, just like you write things down. Beautiful. I'm at E. Rudnick on Twitter. And wherever you're hearing this, please like and subscribe where that's an option and leave a review. But be gentle, please. This is only our second episode. Yay! It's getting better all the time. It is. And until we see you next time, read a play, see a play, and take a friend to the theater. It's always someone's first time. And if you see the playwright there, tell them, nice Nice work. work. (laughs) Means a lot. It does. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time.